Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands, from branding, marketing, and business. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Fundamentally, brands are created by human beings and for human beings. So understanding human attributes and having clarity on what genuinely connects with people is crucial. On this podcast, we will cover topics ranging from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing, all from a human perspective. We will also give ourselves the space for contemplation and explore ways to gain profitability while doing good simultaneously. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clarity Connects podcast. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. Today, we are talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and racial equality in terms of its impact on leadership, businesses, and marketing with my amazing and fabulous guest, Monique Nelson. Monique is the CEO and chair of UWG, which is Uniworld Group. And UWG is the country's longest standing multicultural marketing agency. They actually celebrated their 50th anniversary last year. I've actually known Monique now for a few years, and uh, she actually spoke at my Core Connect conference. And I absolutely love and admire her leadership, her genuineness, her humanity, and really sharp business savvy in terms of understanding on how to connect with people on a visceral level that span from her teammates to her clients to the customers. So welcome to the show, Monique. Thank you so much for having me, Tusef. This is just, ah, it's so nice to be with you again. Ah, it's so great. I've been wanting to, to have you on the show, so I'm, I'm so grateful to have you. Um, so the episode today is being taped as of June of 2020, and we're still completely engulfed in the civic unrest following George Floyd's murder, which happened about a month ago. So I'm really grateful to have this conversation with you, Monique, because you are a powerful African-American leader, and therefore, that just by that virtue, you embody the Black experience yourself. And at the same time, you're running an agency that helps clients address diversity and inclusion. So I just am so grateful to having this conversation with you at this time. So let's just start first by just asking you, how are you doing in terms of this, this state that we are in right now? Um, I have a range of emotions, as you can imagine. Um, this has been a trying, exhilarating, eye-opening, empowering, and overwhelming experience over the last hundred plus days. So would you say that like the more positive end of the emotions have been more recent or was it kind of? It was, it's been up, down, up, down the whole time. I mean, just from the beginning of COVID, um, you know, this has been disproportionately affecting people of color at, at a broad level since COVID showed up. Then the next piece is the recession, right? The, the business impact of, oh, by the way, 
so that you don't die. You got to stay home, which means you're not working, which means, you know, there's a whole host of things that now affected these communities even more so. Or you have to go to work, but then you're exposed right. to the virus. Now you're, you are a frontline worker. You can't not go to work, right? Got to go. And then continually put yourself in danger, right? And then the third part of this is 400 years of oppression and systemic racism gets revealed through a live murder on video. So just this compounding effect. So all of those emotions that I just described to you have to do with the fact that we've been kind of dealing with this Mm -hmm. in different forms and fashions and having to deal with that not only as a Black female leader of a small business, right, (laughs) or a minority-owned business, having to take care of my people, which was really, really important, having to now understand how I get to relay that to my clients because this is now affecting the very people we work on behalf of them for. So really having to have those conversations with our clients and some of them have to be very courageous because again, it wasn't necessarily something that was high on their radar screen. So you had to make it important and ensure that they paid attention to the fact that this is not only going to affect them now, but if we don't do anything about it, it will absolutely affect us later because these are still the primary drivers of growth in the U.S., right? Those communities right, that I just right. talked about is where 90% of the growth is going to come over the next 30 years. So we can talk about now, but my job ultimately is to talk about longevity, sustainability, how do we do this better over time? So yeah, that, that emotion has been an up, down, up, down, up, down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but every day I do wake up knowing that we, didn't do, we haven't been doing this for 51 years for nothing. Right. Like, so the positive part is we're built for this. Approximately what percent is minorities in terms of your team? Oh, boy, we're like 80 percent. Okay. All right. So So maybe a little more, maybe more like 85. Um, We we have wonderful, wonderful white people. Yes. (laughs) We love the white people. We're not... But uh, yeah, we are the diaspora. If you look on our site, you can mm-hmm. see all the people that work for us, at least majority of them. Um, and we, we really do, to my, um, I, I believe, we, we reflect the world. Considering your team being of that group, they also probably went through a roller coaster of emotions like you did. So how do you... How did you deal with that? How did you like connect with them or help them or support them or let them be? Like, how did you navigate that? Well, we did a little bit of all of that. You know, first we, we made sure that there was safe space and we made sure everybody was okay, right? So just making sure that we were being empathetic and understanding with all the stress that this whole time has taken. The next piece was finding solace in our work right? From the very beginning, it was a matter of telling my team and working with everyone within our ecosystem to say, we can't afford to not say anything in this moment. I know we're tired. (laughs) Like the last thing we want to do is work overtime, but we have to. And what my team then gave back to us was amazing work. 
Mm. They poured their heart and souls into it. My creative team is just like, I'm, I'm so excited to put this work in front of the world, right? They wanted people to feel that emotion. They wanted people to feel the pain, but also understand that with the pain comes hope, right? We talk about Martin Luther King, like only in the dark can you see the stars, right? Right. So this was that's how this team, I believe, rose to this occasion and said, if we don't take this time now to really be heard and the fact that we've been fighting for this for 51 years and fighting for this moment to really show what this means, then we're not doing our jobs. So they have been just beyond fantastic. Um, I am so proud of the team that I have. You know what? I love what you said. It's so true. You know, you, you, you get all these emotions pent up and you have this, you know, moments of desperation and fear and all that. But to be able to use that energy and output it and actually do something with that energy instead of it just kind of eating you up, that is so important. Can you describe a little bit what your agency does? Sure. We, uh, we consult. Um, so I'll start from the inside out. We actually do inside out, which is probably one of our most unique propositions, is we have a very robust DNI practice called Global Reflections, which really does go in and diagnose, assess, um, and talk to clients around what is your point of view around inclusion? And we really do concentrate on inclusive leadership. Because we believe that it's part of your leadership toolkit. Um, we believe it's part of your business transformation. And we know from our marketing side of the business and advertising side of the business, we know where these demographics are moving. We know how society is moving. We are on the precipice of having six generations living at the same time. Right? I think we love to look at diversity, inclusion, you know, even multicultural marketing as a moment in time and culture moves, which means there's always something that you need to learn or that you need to bolster, right? We're in the business of making sure that we're ahead of that for you. We really do believe that everyone should feel comfortable seeing our content, but the people that it's for should feel it. And that's really important to us, that if we're making something that has, you know, African-Americans or Latinx communities at its core, we want those people to know this is for you, right? Somebody took that time to make sure that this message got to you specifically. And therefore, I matter. Therefore, I matter. And you care. And you know what? It works. And ultimately, you can see that on your bottom line. We've been talking about diversity and inclusion much more since a few years now, and now we hear it all the time. And I wanted you to just um, help us define a little bit what is the difference between diversity and inclusion, because sometimes I feel that those terms are used interchangeably. Right. There's a big difference. Um, and I, you know, we, I talk about the analogy and um, diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. And we always have to put on the equity, which means that everybody gets something to drink and something to eat. And the reason I use that analogy is everyone on the planet 
hopefully you were young at some point, went to that beautiful junior high school dance and you wanted Mike or Robert or, you know. You put on your, your most beautiful dress on. You were ready. Yes, you were ready. You had done your thing. You were like, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to dance my favorite song with the greatest guy ever, or the greatest woman ever. And it didn't happen. And you were crushed. And you went to the snack table and your favorite drink wasn't there. And the cookies that were left were not the ones that you liked. No chocolate chip. No chocolate chip. Just the oatmeal raisin. Very bad. Or the sugar cookie, which we know. Nobody really, really likes the sugar. But anyhow, that feeling is what permeates organizations in a way that I don't think people understand how destructive and how toxic it can make your environment for everybody, right? Some people felt great at that dance, but a lot of people didn't. Right. And that's where we have to draw the line. There's a level of why would you have all these people there and not engage them all fully? There was a reason you brought them to you invited them to the party. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing in your organization. There's a reason you hired these people. Did you hire them for them to fail? I don't think so. That costs you more money. You, sh you hired them because hopefully they were going to bring value. But value comes not just from osmosis. Right. It does come from cultivation. It comes from mentorship. It comes from sponsorship. It comes from building community. And if your brand means something, that should be something that you absolutely want to make um, a priority. And that's what this moment is showing. And I think folks are understanding more and more and again, without COVID, I don't know if we would, have, we would have been here, right? The fact that we all had to run home overnight, and even this is a cultural phenomenon, because there were so many years that people said, you can't do this from home. We can't all work remote. That will never work. Well, look at us now. We sure are making it work. Hey, I was doing my, my podcast in the studio, and even once this was happening, the COVID, I was like, no, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to wait until the studio opens again. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And here I am. And everything's fine. <laughs> right. Everything's fine. And let's be very clear. Some things are better. You're never going to get me awake. I mean, it's going to be so tough for me to leave my children. Well, the children won't want to let you go either. I don't want to let them go. They don't want to let me go. My commute is three minutes. Right. And I'm I'm a I'm a moment away from them. And there's something so beautiful about having spent this time with them. So I do try to wake up every day and find that wonderful bright spot. And for me, that's, you know, being able to be with my boys mm. and and see them and them hear me. Right. Like even now they can they come in and they're oh, this mommy really does work. This is what she does. This is what she, she talks all day. <laughs> I can do that. I do that right now. Exactly. exactly. My son's in. He's all the way in. Um, when you were talking about your agency in terms of inside and out. So in terms of inside, you're talking about helping corporations 
uh, with their teams. Is, is that what you mean? And then outside is more sort of like the actual marketing outputs? Outputs, absolutely. So the inside will oftentimes inform the outside. One of the, the, the issues that I came upon, and it, and it was just a challenge, was a few years ago, we kind of had a stall in our, in our business development. And I couldn't understand why people weren't recognizing this wonderful growth opportunity of the multicultural markets, right? Like, why aren't we marketing these people? You're leaving, you know, all this money on the table. We have wonderful insights around how people use your products and how you can really push that and, and get more advocacy out of these groups. And, you know, I'm going in, I'm doing the dog and pony show. I'm, you know, and they're like, I don't know. That sounds maybe, maybe later, mm. you know, or I don't know if we really have room for that in our budget. And in one of those meetings, I just decided, I said, I'm, let me just ask this question. And the question was, what's your point of view internally around your multicultural groups, people of color, you know, how are they, what do you guys think about them inside? Because if you have a point of view there, then I can help you with how you want to be out, outside in the world, right? What kind of advertising? Yeah, one leads to the next one anyways. It's a, it's a natural progression, absolutely. It's a natural thread. And that's when I found out there was no POV inside. And as a DNI advocate probably my whole life and uh, started to really dig into, you know, what DNI looked like, how it was being positioned, and I could see why it wasn't thriving. And that was primarily because there was very little thread between the activity of the DNI work and the balance sheet. And how is DNI a tool for business and growth? And what we found is when we got into our clients and started doing this work, I could now uncover what we call blind spots. And most importantly, diversity blind spots, which then had a number attached to it. And that number, most times, is in the million, right? Not a little bit of money, like game-changing money, if you did this right. And that's what we started to go in and talk to clients about. And that has been a really wonderful tool to say, if we can help you find the money right? Through this opportunity of something that you're already doing, right? right? Nothing new. We're just going to tweak some messaging, maybe put you in some new, uh, some new channels, uh, offer people a different opportunity because you're not necessarily meeting them where they are. Mm -hmm. These are minimal changes to something that's already going and you've just opened your opportunity to gain more consumers, advocacy, and engagement over time without even working that hard at it. And uh, that's been a winning strategy for us. And that's really what marketing is about, right? It's got to reflect society as it is. And then hopefully as we want it to be, right? Aspiration, right? Yeah. We all want this to be better. We can make money while making it a better place. We can. We, we have. We should. Yes. We just have to... We just have to look, you know, like you're business savvy there of just starting to think in different ways and see, well, what about this and what about that? Instead of always looking at it from a unilateral direction. So before I forget, footnote to the listeners, DNI is diversity and inclusion. 
So in terms of the inside out, um, when you are working right now in the inside, um, addressing racial injustice challenges with corporations, how are you addressing them in this day and age or since the past month? Has it been different since before or what has been your experience? I mean, of course, this has been different for everybody. But yes, our engagement has been greatly around equipping our our brands and our leaders with information, right? Just making sure that they're really, really well resourced and that we're putting a really solid story together for them, as well as letting them know how this affects them, right? Either as a brand or ultimately as human beings, We've hosted quite a few what we call safe rooms um, where people can express what's going on or what's been going on in the organization that has either been, you know, a health disparity or, you know, racial disparity and even, you know, financial. How, how are we talking about these things? Are we being transparent? So is this part of your model called the three A's? This is part of the three A's, okay. but it's, um, you know, but this is, def- you know, it's, it's definitely been more um tangible i guess in that people have just been more human in this moment and having to really talk about that empathy part and how does that play out right we usually talk a lot around utility and i think we've moved from utility to advocacy mm-hmm. right and that's really really important in this moment and i think clients have appreciated that from us um I mean, I think it's really important, the human part that you're saying. And I think in a weird way, the fact that we had COVID and that we were all kind of stuck in isolation and that we were forced to think and self-reflect because we couldn't just like go out all the time. Mixed with that, with what happened uh, with Mr. George Floyd, it's sort of like this crazy, devastating, harsh, perfect storm where it forces people to stop in their tracks. And on top of that, you know, there was no sports, there was no shows, there was nothing. Like the focus was like hyper-focused on this one thing that was so horrific and we had to all look at it and then feel it and then hopefully rise to the occasion. So I totally understand what you mean that people are more human from that perspective these days. Yeah, that's the difference of this moment. Everyone asks, you know, what makes this different? Well, no one can say, I missed that. Because this isn't new, right? George Floyd um, came at a time that we all needed this in this moment, but he wasn't the first. And unfortunately, Rashard Brooks happened after him. Mm-hmm. Right? Even in this moment, we, we watched it again. And who hasn't fallen asleep in their car? Who hasn't gone to a party and enjoyed themselves a little too much? And went for a burger after. (laughs) And went for for a burger to kind of, you know, soak up the alcohol, right? That's what we do, right? You got to go get some good greasy food (laughs) so that you can go to sleep and wake up the next day. Um, That's, but is that worth death? And no one can honestly say that's worth somebody's and I think in this moment, everyone is hopefully understanding that it's not, right? And that's why Black lives do need to matter. Mm-hmm. That's why all lives 
can't matter until Black lives do. Because unless I see a whole bunch of other people getting killed over, you know, falling asleep in your car or quite possibly passing off a counterfeit $20 bill, those are fine worthy, right? Those are like, let me take your license, right? Like, come and take, you know, go to a DUI, like whatever. There's, There's so many things between those incidents and death that we've just got to get better at this. I think what's, it's good to see that people seem to be taking more time to understand that concept of systemic racism. I think we've talked about it for a long time, but we, we haven't completely under understood it until the, the last month where people are really, it's almost like being a fish in water and you're surrounded by water all the time. So you can't really see the water. You have to become aware that there's actually water around you and then you can start looking at it. And I think that's what's happening. It's like, oh, this is, this is here and this is here and this is here. And this is how it's evolved over the past 400 years. And, and so now things are becoming clearer. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, listen, Juneteenth, a lot of people just didn't know because they don't teach it. It's a shame. We now have to, we now know one of the biggest parts of this uh, ecosystem that has to change is our education system, right? The fact that black history has been eradicated or minimized to migration in our textbooks. I'm sorry, slavery was not migration, right? I mean, now there are people that have migrated that were people of color, right? And black people, but not slavery. So that is, you know, there is just a miseducation of our entire system that needs to be dismantled and rebuilt and ultimately here to protect our future. I, you know, I go in and I remember my son was in preschool and they, I asked them what they were doing for Black History Month and they said they used to have somebody, they used to come in and do it, but and I said, well, are they still here? And they said, well, no. And I said, well, I, I'll volunteer. And I did, you know, and I went in and I talked about black inventors because I needed to, my son to know, first and foremost, that you come from great, great stock, right? You come from tremendous people, people that have, you know, built this country. And you know what? Your classmates need to know that too. That's what I believe I owe, um, not only my son, but you know, but society as a whole and the fact that we're in a, in a predominantly white community, I, I take that on, right? And I'm okay with that. Could you talk a little bit more about the, the three A's and, and how you approach the corporations? Sure. I mean, three, the three A's, really simple, easy framework for everyone to remember. The first A, acknowledgement and assessment, right? You got to acknowledge and assess, right? What is it? What are we doing? What does that mean? I don't know. From a diversity inclusion standpoint. I think for anything. For anything. And this is for any any opportunity. Okay. Anything that you're looking at, any challenge that comes across your desk, you're going to do the same thing. This just happens to be one of those challenges. Got it. And the one that we focus on. The second thing you've got to do is build the action plan around it, right? Once you've acknowledged and assessed it, now it's like, what am I going to do about it? 
right? And those can be many paths, right? You can, I believe in many paths to God, you know, however you get there is fine with me, mm-hmm. but we want to get there, right? <laughs> um, and that leads you to the last A, mm-hmm. and that's accountability. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've got to be accountable for, first and foremost, the acknowledgement and the assessment, the actions that you're going to take, and then how are you going to measure whether or not that worked? That's key in everything you do. And what happens is once you do that, that first pass of the three A's, then you get to go, oh, well, did we do what we said we were going to do? Right? Either you met that, that, that goal or you didn't. And honestly, even if you didn't, I bet you learned something. Right? And you'll build that into your next action plan because that's what we do. This is an iterative process. This is a marathon, not a sprint. It's probably a bunch of sprints, right? We talk about that in agile marketing all the time, right? Those sprints, scrum, all, you know, all of the different you know, tools that we talk about in terms of how we get through a project. But we've all been a part of the project that takes a couple of years, right? right? We've been through, you know, if you've been through a business transformation, which I have been through more than I'd like, <laughs> um, it takes a little while. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember when I bought this agency in 2012, it's, it doesn't resemble anything that it was eight years ago because we continue to iterate, right? Like you're never done. Right. And we tend to feel very finite around things that we're uncomfortable with, right? We want to get through it fast. Right. <laughs> and this is one of those moments where I was like, I don't really want to talk about this. This is making me very uncomfortable. And it is until you do it more, right? And that was the first time you learned how to ride a bike. The first time you fell a lot, mm-hmm. right? I know when I first went ice skating, I fell a lot. First time I skied, I fell a lot. Didn't stop doing it though, right? I got better over time. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. None of this is like one and done, right? It takes a little time. And the more you do it, right? The more courageous conversations we have, the easier they become, the more graceful you have them, mm. right? Because everything can be said with grace, right? Like there's, there's, no, there's nothing you can't say if you say it gracefully. You know, that's, you, you know, I've told you this before. Monique said this at the Core Connect conference, and it's like ingrained in my mind because I think to, that you can say anything as long as you say it with grace, just opens up my heart because I realize that I, that I can be the fullness that I can be and I can express anything that I can express as long as I figure out a way to say it in a way that's graceful. Because, you know, we, when we say to other people, you know, we don't want to, I'm not going to say that it's going to hurt that person, but maybe she needs to hear it, you know? Maybe she needs to hear it, but you know, then you have to, you have to come at it with, with love and care. And it's really out of the goodness of your heart, not from a hateful place, but from a good place. So thank you for that kernel of wisdom that you, you gave me because (laughs) I love it. It's a muscle. It's a muscle you can learn, right? You can write it down. You know, it's, you can write down that, that courageous conversation. You can write down that hard conversation. You invite the person and you tell them it's going to be hard. And are you ready for this hard conversation? You owe them that. 
right? And I do that with my team all the time, right? I, you know, I will tell my team, I'm, I'm going to have to have a hard conversation with you. Not now, but just know that I'm coming to have that conversation. And I hope you're, you know, I want you to be ready. So you schedule with me or I can schedule with you. But I think it's important that that be a part of the fabric of your organization, that that be a part of what your leadership allows, because we are not all knowing. If we were, we wouldn't need a team, right? And I am so thankful to have people that surround me that are very graceful, but very quick to tell me, "Eh -eh." right? Nope, not right. Or here's what I would recommend, right? Because I don't know everything, right? Mm -hmm. I can go off and do something that I think is perfectly fine and I can be destroying my team. And uh, it's critical that we understand those blind spots as well. And in this moment, you know, as a black female, I can be very emotional in this moment. It's always, you know, it's always kind of top of mind, right? My, my skin is, is what I'm in. Um, I live with nothing but black men, which is terrifying. I, I'm scared. My kids are really young. Mm. And I really prayed that they wouldn't have to deal with this. But they are. And, you know, we're now just going to try to compress the time so that, you know, God willing, their grandkids don't have to deal with this. But we're probably going to be another two generations of this. You know, 400 years is a lot to unwind. There's one thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about, which is the first of the three A's, which is acknowledge. And it seems to me, especially when we're talking about racial equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace, that must be the most difficult one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's been that's been eye opening for a lot of leaders. Um, you know, a lot of my clients, even in this moment, are like, "Wow, we thought we were better than that, right?" Or we thought we kind of had this under control, or we didn't think we had a problem at all, right? I've heard it all, right? There's, you know, there's been the gamut and um, the unveiling of the fact that it is there, and even if it's not you or you didn't do it, is still an indictment, right? What we realize is that bystanding, right? Seeing something and not saying anything is, makes you an accomplice. So I think allyship has truly been put out there as a verb, right? Like now I think everybody understands like, oh, to be an ally actually means to say something, mm-hmm. to do something, mm-hmm. to actively say, do we have a diverse slate of candidates? Are we really looking at our black and brown and women in a way that allow them to ascend and really perform in our organization to the best of their ability, right? We, we do it very well for white males, right? Because the system's been built on their archetype. But you've got to build other avenues for people to show up in their greatest selves. And I think that's what the reveal is now. It's not that white men are bad. It's just that can't be the only path because everybody can't be a white male. So we need to figure out how does a a black female, what does my archetype allow for Mm -hmm. me to get here? And when I think of my journey, I had a plethora of people that made sure that I had really good support in every avenue that I was going to. And every time a new person comes into the mix or a diverse person comes into the mix, there will be new 
elements that need to be taken into account. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we talk about the fact that diversity and inclusion are your best business tools because it gets you to innovation in a way that you wouldn't get to otherwise. But the, the small print is that it must be managed well. Mm-hmm. And that means a leadership quality that allows you to invite, engage, and get highly, pro- highly productivity out of these groups. As we're getting more and more in, in the world with more complex challenges, we need different mindsets. We need people to think differently. The way you say, well, is it happening inside? Do we think about that? You know, you being an African-American woman with your experiences, you're bringing a different type of experience and different ways of thinking that you can't just fabricate. Like this is, this is cultivated because of who we are. You know, especially now around race, you know, people have been in and out of diversity inclusion training for the last 25 years. And you know what? They do it for compliance. They press the little button on the webinar and they pray that they remember (laughs) by the time it gets to the quiz part, they can't wait to get that little certificate come up on their screen. And you're like, done. (laughs) And you're like, done for the year. But we all know that's what we all dreaded, right? Oh, we got to take another one of these. (laughs) Right? Like, who wants that? So that's why we, we... We have to talk about this in context, right? Why is this important to you? Why should it matter? And why should this stick? We've got to get out of compliance. We got to get much more into workplace, marketplace, innovation, and ultimately business integration. Mm-hmm. The only way this is going to work. And, and everyone would do this if their business was on the line. Right. And, and all of the businesses will be on the line because we're talking about Gen Z. These are the people that are rising. This is going to be your future consumer. And they also feel empowered now because they know how to converge together, you know, digital activism. So not only do they want a better world, but this is the talent that you're going to need in order to excel. And this generation wants to have corporations that are, go- that are doing good and profitable, but they want both. And they want accountability. So, you know, the, the, the lesson to brands right now is get ready to be transparent if you want to play. Right. Right. Because they're going to start looking at your board. They're going to start looking at your senior management. Do I really want to work in an agency that only has 3% of the senior creative leadership as women? Mm-hmm. You know, or do I want to go to the one that has 50%, right. right? Or if I go to the 3%, are you ready to take the journey to grow? Yes. The definition of success for this generation is completely different than what it was before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Monique, how are you feeling about the future? Like, are you feeling pretty hopeful? I'm going to borrow from a friend who said, you know, hopeful feels so passive. So... <laughs> going to eliminate hopeful from my, uh, from my vocabulary in this moment. I am feeling determined. All right. I am more determined. I am very focused. Um, and I am extremely uh, excited about mm-hmm. what is next. And I'm excited for the brands that have decided to jump on the long train, mm-hmm. right? The ones that have basically said, you know what, Mo? 
I know this isn't going to be overnight. Um, I'm prepared to get on the train and we're going to go for the long ride. Uh, it was funny. Uh, we, we re-engaged with a client last week and it was funny. We kind of said, oh, the band's back together. And she's like, we're going to do a long tour this time. And I was just like, that's awesome. And it's a wonderful thing because we had started a project and it kind of stalled in the middle. And, you know, this kind of came and really brought it all back as to why we had started down this path to begin with. Mm-hmm. So um, in that regard, I'm extremely excited. And, you know, on the other side, there are probably some disappointments that I will endure that I'm not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And I have just been trying to get myself prepared to say, if you don't want to do it, then you don't have to do it. And we just will have to part ways, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're about here. We're about an attitude of advancement. We're about knowing better and doing better. And as long as that is where you are, we're going to do amazing things together. I love that. It, it, it reminds me of what uh, Ibran X. Kendi says. He says, don't say that you're not a racist, say that you're anti-racist. Because the moment you say anti-racist, there's a notion of action there. There's, there's momentum there versus being more in the passive sense that you're talking about. And I think we see it also, you know, like there's so many companies that put out, you know, a statement supporting Black Lives Matter and people are calling out, we don't care what you're saying. What are you doing? Like Nike got burnt. It's a beautiful video. But how many uh, African-Americans do you have on your executive team? Zero. So no bueno. No bueno. No bueno. So, um, Monique, at the end of each episode, I ask a question to all of my guests. This is the Clarity Connects podcast. So I wanted to ask you if there's a clarity moment that you would like to share that you had since the past year. This could be something related to what we talked about or not. Anything that you would like to share with the listeners? Funny enough, I thought about this. I want to talk about this moment and I want to talk about 2020 and 2020 has come to mean to me the year of clarity, seeing what was right in front of us. So it was always there. It's always been there. And 2020, how apropos, I had this moment of like, ooh, we can see. Perfect vision. Perfect vision in 2020. God dog it. Right here. It was right here Mm. all the time. And this this is real. And Mm. it's it's clear and it's right in front of us. And it is for most of us, I hope our duty to look, right? As Maya Angelou used to say, if someone shows you who they are, look, right? They're not lying to you. So that's, that's my takeaway. Thank you so much for that. I love that we are able to see because that's the first step. We don't see, we can't do anything. And it's right there. So how can listeners learn more about you? Is there somewhere where you would like them to go? 
Oh, sure. You can go to uwginc.com. That's our site. And uh, we're on LinkedIn, IG, Facebook, Twitter. So, you know, certainly look for UWG wherever we are. And um, looking forward to hearing from all of you. It is, uh, it's an exciting time and we're here to serve. And thank you so much, so much, Monique, for being such an amazing person and doing this important work and just inspiring all of us. Thank you so much for everything. You're awesome. You're awesome. Bye, everyone. À bientôt.